The reading this evening is taken from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 12, beginning at the first verse. If you'd like to follow it in the Church Bibles, it's on page 1153. 1 Corinthians 12, 1. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to dumb idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. And so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. 
If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now, eagerly desire the greater gifts. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray, shall we? Father, thank you that you have called us to serve you, and thank you that you equip us to do so. Please forgive us for the times when we have ignored or misused your gifts and please enable us properly to discern them and properly to use them. We pray that you'd be with me as I speak this evening, and you'd be with all of us as we listen and truly hear what you have to say to us. Amen. Uh, well, Eddie was supposed to be speaking this evening, but um, sadly, uh, he woke up not very well, and so you've got me um, instead. Um, the, uh, the good news is that he basically prepared for this sermon beforehand, and I've got a copy of his notes. So what you're going to have is Eddie's sermon in my words, if you see what I mean. And what we're going to do is we're going to carry on in 1 Corinthians 12, although we, we could focus very much on the, the first bit, the bit about uh, spiritual gifts. You may remember that last week, Victoria spoke about that, and she particularly talked about the Holy Spirit. I confess I wasn't here, and I discovered halfway through the afternoon that her sermon isn't yet online, so I can't tell you exactly what she said, but what she tells me she talked about was about the, 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 the Holy Spirit, and, and in particular this point. The Holy Spirit isn't for just some Christians. 
The Holy Spirit isn't a sort of super spiritual experience for the few. God gives the Holy Spirit to all of us. We, we actually heard that in our, in our reading today. Uh, we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. That's what draws us together. We are God's people because we all have the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and we should be both encouraged and indeed humbled by that. Because the Holy Spirit, first of all, empowers us. It means that when we serve God, we can do so totally assured of the fact that God himself is with us. God himself is equipping us. When we go out in the parish visiting people, God's with us. The Holy Spirit's with us. When we serve at the food bank, God's with us. God's equipping us through his Holy Spirit. And we should be encouraged by that. But we should also be humbled Because you see, the fact that God has given us gifts is not because of who we are. There's nothing special about us that causes God to give us the Holy Spirit. It's because we've put our trust in Jesus and we we therefore have it. Uh, Some people may have particularly prominent gifts, but that doesn't mean they have any more of God's Spirit than anybody else. I've been a Christian for 40 years, but I have no more of God's Spirit than I did the day I turned to Jesus. So we should be be encouraged, but but let's remember we should be humbled as well. This is all of God. So um, what what about these spiritual gifts? How does the Holy Spirit equip us? What is it? that what kinds of gifts does he give us well it says it here in in verse four it says that there are different kinds of gifts but the same spirit distributes them there are different kinds of service but the same lord there are different kinds of working but in all of them and in everyone it's the same god at work and then paul goes on in verses eight to ten to list various kinds of gifts. Uh, Gift of message of wisdom, message of knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, etc. And if you were to look on two chapters to chapter 14, you'd find another list. And go to Romans chapter 12 and there's another list. And 1 Peter 4, there is another list. Uh, And that points to some some important things. Uh, First of all, uh, there are any number of gifts. We shouldn't try to say, oh, yes, I know about them. There are seven of those. I know the gifts. That's all right. No, it's not like that. And they overlap. They mutually interact with one another so that we shouldn't be trying to fit ourselves into boxes in relation to this. And did you notice that Paul talks of different kinds of different, kinds of different things, if you like? Verses four through six. There are different kinds of gifts, There are different kinds of service. There are different kinds of workings. Those are different perspectives on the the same thing. And that points to something very important, which is this, that God's gifts may be circumstance-specific. There may be a particular circumstance which requires a particular combination of gifts, and God may equip people with exactly that combination, exactly that part of the spectrum of gifts which is needed for that particular situation. Incidentally, an example of the overlap is in uh, Ephesians chapter 3, where Paul talks about 
pastor teachers. There's something else rather important, which I haven't mentioned yet, but I hope it's implicit. We all have gifts. End of verse 6. In all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. And, and that's exciting. Because it means we, we all have a role to play. We all have gifts given by God, and God may give them for particular circumstances, give them long-term, short-term. God's sovereign. God will do what he wants. But, but because he works in particular circumstances, there may be particular things that only you can do. There may be particular needs that only you can meet. Particular goals that only you can achieve. And things that God has equipped you to do. And we should bear that in mind. As I say, it's, it's encouraging. But before we get too carried away, and before pride creeps in, just take a look at verse 7. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And that's really what the rest of the chapter is about, isn't it? If you look and think about it, there's the analogy of the body and the mutual dependency of the body. And it's saying, these aren't given for you. Gifts aren't things where God says, I tell you what, I'll give you that, like a sort of Christmas present, and you can go with your new toy and hide away in your bedroom and actually play with your new toy. That's not what God's talking about. No. God's given me particular gifts in, in order to benefit you. He's given you particular gifts in order to benefit everyone else, including, I hope, me. That's what it's like being in a church. It's for the common good. And of course, the implication of that is that if we don't use our gifts, others suffer. We, we have a duty, an obligation to seek God's gifts and to, to use them. So you may say, well, how do we do that? How do we go about seeking God's gifts? Good question. How do we discern what they are is the first question as well. Um, it's a good question, and an awful lot could be said about it. But I'm just going to mention four things. And I'll remember what they are in a minute. Yeah, the first, the first one is, is it's actually a subtle thing. And there are equal and opposite dangers. I'll mention the, the opposite one later on. Um, the first is the danger of assuming that what you're looking for is something utterly new in your life that's completely different from anything you've had before and actually possibly totally out of character. That, you know, maybe God's calling me to, I don't know, play rugby or something. Um, you know, it's, it, it, that's not the case. It may be. God may give you a gift that is totally new and you're amazed and so is everyone else possibly. But that may not be true. God may do something that gives something which links in to what he's given you previously. We should be open to both possibilities. But then, when thinking about gifts, there is a danger again we categorise. You sit down with the list in front of you and you write down, well, I don't think I've got that one, I don't think I've got that one. It, it may be better to think in terms of the big categories of gift that God gives and the purpose for which he gives them. Um, Eddie rather helpfully um, uh, suggests a division of gifts into, into three categories. 
And the first are those gifts which are what might be called prophetic gifts. They're to do with gifts of, they're gifts of communication, they're gifts of, of speaking out boldly, or of evangelism, or of teaching, or of maybe speaking into a situation with, with insight and wisdom. That, that whole range of things. Now, that doesn't, it's not specific, but it may be that you have particular gifts in that area, and thinking about that category may help. And then again, there are priestly gifts. Um, priests effectively were, were go-betweens. So to talk about priestly gifts, we're, we're talking about, for example, speaking on someone's behalf, or interceding for them, or showing acts of compassion, or mercy, or getting alongside people. Maybe there's all that range of things where you think about that and you think, actually, maybe God is gifting me in that area. You then need to plough on and be a bit more specific, but, but, but maybe that's what you're doing. And then there's what Eddie calls kingly gifts, things more specifically to do with the, that's almost the, the running of God's kingdom, if you like, gifts of leadership, gifts of administration at a, at a more, more mundane level. I think it is helpful to look at those things and say, well, you know, where, where do I think my gifts may be? And you begin to, to narrow it down a little bit. But don't navel gaze. That's the third piece of advice. There is a danger in this, as in all sorts of things, that we just keep saying, yeah, what's my gift? What's my gift? I need to find my gift. I need to find my gift. And we spend all that time, and God's busily saying, would you please get on with serving me? Um, we, we do need to be careful in this as in, uh, in, in other things. And one helpful piece of guidance I've received in relation to this, and I noticed that Eddie uh, was going to mention it as well, um, is it may be more helpful to say, well, just a minute, what moves me? Is God moving me to have a concern about a particular thing? And if he is, could he be that's what he's calling me to? And therefore, God won't call you to it if he hasn't gifted you. Uh, to do it. So, so maybe it's helpful to approach it in that direction. For example, um, our uh, church is uh, seeking to discern what God want, might, may, might want us to do in relation to a particular part of our community. And we, we, we need to discern that together. And it may be that someone says, yes, I really feel for that part of the community. They, they have never heard the gospel. That they, they need someone to tell them about Jesus. Very much a sort of prophetic side of things. Or somebody may, may say, I know, but, but what really grieves me is there's so much deprivation. There's so much need there. Yeah, a, a sort of priestly concern. Or, or, or someone else may say, well, that's great, but I, the thing that I can't get my head around is we need to organise this. We need to, to make sure that all, everything's drawn together and people are drawn together. Yeah. Now, excellent is the answer to that, because probably if God's calling us to do something, we need all of those people, all of those gifts. And if people are being moved to think in that particular way about the community, I'm sure God will be giving the gifts to, to equip the service there. But it'll be different people doing different things. So we shouldn't navel gaze, um, but, and we should, but we should think about how God's moving us. And then really important, 
get feedback. Um, don't simply trust your own judgment in relation to this. Ask other Christians in the church. Pray with other Christians. Find out, do other people agree with your view about your gifting or, or, or lack of it? If you don't think you've got any, speak to other people. Is that their view as well? I hope not, because Paul says we've all got gifts. But speak to them. And, and try to think about questions like, do they agree you've got the gift? Is, what's the evidence of your gift? You may think you've got a gift of preaching. Good, but are people learning? Are people benefiting from that preaching? Or, or maybe uh, that you, you feel you've got a, a gift of um, getting alongside people, showing people compassion. Fine, but what's the evidence that people are really benefiting from that. Or, or maybe you think you've got a give, gift of, of discernment and wisdom. And that's great. I can think of some people definitely in this church who do. Um, but uh, is there any evidence that you're helping cut through difficult things? Actually, suddenly giving us the insight that was lacking. By the way, you need honest Christian friends for doing that because... It can be tough to say, no, you don't. Uh, I wasn't going to say this, but I will. I may have told this story before, but I was thinking of going into the ordained ministry. And I'm so glad for the Christian friend who, putting it rather politely, said, Richard, I'm just not sure that that would um, engage your most obvious gifts. What he meant is, Richard, don't even think about it. Uh, You're just not gifted for that. And I'm so glad he said that to me. So we have to be open for that kind of thing. Um, oh, yeah. If you want to remember this, hang on to the word ordained. Now, you may say, what? Richard, ordination is something that happens to somebody who wants to become a vicar. And you're right, it does. But actually, it's one of these words that has sort of been hijacked for a specific purpose. Um, when actually it has a far more general meaning. Uh, What it's talking about is the church as a whole simply saying, yeah, we do think God is calling you to a particular thing. Yeah, we do think God has given you this gift. And and, and we commission you. We give you that freedom to use it. We want that to be be released in the church. And, and, And in that sense, we all want ordination. We need the confirmation of our fellow Christians, that this is indeed something that God has given us. All right, there's a, a few thoughts on, on discerning, um, but what about the challenges? 1 Corinthians 12 was written, at least in part, because of the challenges that were being faced in the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church had real problems in relation to this issue of spiritual gifts, uh, along with all sorts of other things, actually. Um, And and we need to beware of the challenges and and make sure that we don't fall into the traps. So so what are those things? Well, first of all, uh, we mustn't confuse spiritual gifts with other God-given talents. Now, 
And it's a subtle distinction. It is the flip side of the thing I said earlier. Earlier I said, don't think God necessarily does something totally new. This is the other side. Don't assume that just because you've got some talent that you use in other contexts, that this is your spiritual gift that God is calling you to use in the church. It, it, it may well not be. Um, you may be a very gifted speaker, um, using speaking in the secular world. It doesn't mean that God has given you the spiritual gift of the communication of his word, of the gospel, um, uh, such that you have a gift of preaching. Uh, you may be very good with numbers. You may be a qualified accountant. It doesn't mean that God is calling you to oversee the church finances. He may be, but it's a different question. And, and we need to make sure we don't confuse those Otherwise, there can be real clashes with somebody who, think, who thinks, oh, I'm sure, you know, I'd, I've done this, I do it in my job every, every day, etc. Just not, not understanding why other people are doubtful about it. And we need to be careful. It's a particular danger for a church like us where there are a lot of professional people. Um, there are a lot of us who do an awful lot of things in our, in our secular work and we must be very careful that we don't assume that those talents, which unquestionably are God-given, I mean, it's common grace, you know, everything comes from God. So it's not a distinction of the origin of these things. It's a distinction of the, the, the nature of the gift given for service of God in the church. So be careful about um, uh, uh, that confusion. Um, second, um, beware of gift cop-out. Um, this is a very difficult, a, a very uh, different kind of problem. It's this. It's the problem of saying, I don't have that gift, therefore I don't do X. As in, I don't have the gift of evangelism, therefore I don't speak to people about Jesus. That is not what the Bible says. This business about gifts is, call it, uh, is gifts for particular focus in our ministry. So, for example, let's take evangelism. God does give particular people that gift of evangelism, and that is the thing he's calling them to and to use uh, as their focus, the real focus of their service of him. But all of us are called upon to talk to people about Jesus. Or there may be somebody who has, there are people who have particular gifts of encouragement. I can think of several people in the church immediately. Um, and, and, and we may not have that. that, that's true. But we're all called upon to encourage one another, just in our everyday conversations, etc. It might not be the main thing we're doing in the church, but we're called upon to do it. Or, or somebody may have a particular gift in relation to acts of mercy. They are just wonderful at doing it. And again, I can think of many people, oddly enough, the ones that immediately come to mind are some who are no longer with us. Um, but they, they've been fantastic. But, but let's be clear, we're all called upon to show mercy and, 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 and compassion to one another. So be careful of gift cop-out. Just because you've decided something isn't your gift doesn't mean that that's an area you just ignore. There is, however, a, a related but different problem, which is the problem of gift projection. This is, this is my gift. This is what God's called me for. And I want all of you 
to be having the same thing and all of you serving in the same area and I'm really quite angry that you're not doing it. I'm, I'm, I'm sure we've all met that kind of thing. That, that we have to remember what it says in here. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, etc.? And the answer is no. And, and, and what Paul says is there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. And, and I, I can't say to you, um, you know, I just do not understand why you're not being an evangelist. Well, the reason may be that God's called you to a particular ministry of, of mercy or something. So we just need to be very careful about that. And that points to possibly the biggest challenge uh, of all. Spiritual elitism. It was clearly a problem in the Corinthian church and we need to be careful about it. This is, it's a form of pride. It is uh, pride in particular gifts, in particular ministries that God has given us, etc. And, and, and something which uh, not only affects us in relation to ourselves, but our attitude towards others. And we need to be very careful about it. Uh, and I think the main antidote to it is remembering the difference between spiritual gifts and spiritual fruit. A, a spiritual gift is something that we receive and then use in our ministry. Spiritual fruit is something that develops and comes out from us as evidence of the working of the Holy Spirit in us in changing us to be more Christ-like. How can I put it? A spiritual gift is an ability, and we only have a certain number of those. Spiritual fruit is something to do with our, our character, our emerging character, and we are called on to display the whole lot of it. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, with the gifts, what, what we should be doing is discerning our gifts. So we may be saying, well, actually, you know what? I really don't have a gift of teaching, but actually, you know, I do have one of these other gifts. What we never do is say, yeah, actually, I'm particularly good at peace. Uh, I'm afraid I, I don't do this gentleness business. Um, no, we're called upon to, 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 to display the whole of the fruits of the Spirit. And we do need to distinguish it. And we need to be very, very careful that we don't evaluate ourselves or others by reference to spiritual gifts. Uh, I, I'm sure we can all think of examples where it's happened. There are a very sad number of examples in the church of gifted speakers whose, whose private lives have fallen apart and for a while, actually, it hasn't shown in their public ministry or at least it hasn't shown in what we can see in their public ministry. And then it's all fallen apart. You, you, you know, I'm sure you've read in the newspapers over the last few years that. And, and, and what we may be in danger of doing is thinking that speaker's really spiritual. Don't judge a speaker by how well they speak. 
It's the fruit in, in their lives that matters. Sadder still, we may judge ourselves. We may conclude that because we're exercising a particular gift, therefore we are close to God. Oh, no, we are not. And if you doubt that, just remember what Jesus said. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name a gift? In your name drive out demons, another gift. In your name perform merry miracles, a third gift. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. We mustn't judge by reference to spiritual gifts. And you know what? That's why at the end of our reading today, or rather the start of the reading for next week, um, Paul, having said that we all have different gifts, says, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. And then he goes on to talk about love. But that's next week's sermon. For this week, let's just remember a few basic things. We should eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Why should we desire them? Because that's the way God equips us to serve him. And don't we want to serve God? That's, that's why we should desire them. And we should therefore seek, seek out, seek to discern our spiritual gifts and then use them. If we don't, other people suffer. But we need to be aware of the challenges. And in particular, we need to beware of spiritual elitism. And we need to flee from it. We should never, ever confuse spiritual gifts for spiritual fruit. But, but then we should, in humility, use our gifts for the common good. And for us here that today, what that means is that we should use our gifts serving God in the church and, and in the church's ministry. What's the church seeking to do? Think about our church's mission. How do your gifts fit in with that? What's God, what's God given you to contribute to others? The good news is, he's given something to all of us. And that's through his grace. And that's what being church is all about. Amen. <laughs>